And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea, conversationalists across the fruited plain, captains, courageous, princes of the universe, the ladies who lunch, and the people on the wrong side of the tracks, this is Open Line Friday. How's everybody doing today? What a week. I tell you, it has been, oh my goodness, it has been a week. Hasn't it? <coughs> it is time to light the fires and kick the tires and whatever else, right? Feel the need for speed? Only the legal kind. Oh, man. Cam, oh, really? So Cam says a harassment bot just boosted his tweet. I wonder how that works. Um, okay, I guess we'll take we'll it. I don't know. The bots. Speaking of harassment, here I I I got a I got a thing I got to complain about. But let me let me get through all the regular spiel. Welcome everybody. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at SciFiForMe.com. Which, on occasion, has new material we post. Okay, so somebody reported you to a bot. Oh, well, hey, anytime you can be associated with Gina Carano, I guess that's a, that's not a bad thing, right? <coughs> Shout out to everybody who's listening to this program as a podcast. We're on a number of different platforms. We've got listeners all around the world, including Germany, the UK, Canada. Glad to have all of you with us. And I do invite you to check out the live video, which is now broadcasting to YouTube, Odyssey, and Twitch. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing that again. And uh, we've got the Discord server as well, so you can, so you can jump in over there uh, and continue conversations that you start here and you're starting it you're going to be the ones directing <coughs> you're going to be directing the conversation today i am putting my fate in your hands or something i guess maybe i don't know all right i mean this has been this has been a very very crazy week and I have I have been way behind on a lot of different things. So a programming note: Monday through Thursday next week, there is likely going to be no show, no no bunker Monday through Thursday. We'll be back for Open Line Friday next week because I've got to catch up on a bunch of different things. Uh, I I still have to. I've got to carve out time for setting up the storefront, setting up the shop so you can buy our mugs if you want to buy a mug and do some things there. I've got I've got some logistical things that I, I just am behind on so many different things. I have books I need to read and review and everything else. Uh, MS says, you know the story where the fox carries the gingerbread man over the water then eats him. That's the Friday show would you trust? Yeah. Uh, it For me, it's the, what is it, the scorpion and the frog? 
Yeah, same same principle there. <coughs> but that's okay. You guys, you guys have proven yourselves to be relatively civil. I, you know, I don't have I don't have too many worries about any of that. But yeah, a lot's happening. And I do want to point you toward uh, last night's discussion over the Ranker Pit. We talked about all the stuff going on at Disney and Lucasfilm. We talked about the lawsuit. We talked about Cameron Posh's reporting on the lawsuit, as well as other things. The stuff that Bob Iger is doing. And it feels like... It feels like something's up at the Walt Disney Company. And... It could very well be that uh, we have only scratched the surface. What's going on there? Why is my camera doing that? Don't do that. StreamYard, don't do that. All right. So, I am putting... I'm putting the thing what in the, the chat. So, uh, you all now have the link... To jump in the call, and I <laughs> yes, I myself. Up. They're tired of losing money. They're right. Well, they're uh, over on uh, over on Midnight's Edge right now. They're talking about the fact that John Lasseter and uh, and Skydance they've got this new animated picture coming out, and John Lasseter is the guy who co-founded Pixar, and he was frog marched out of the of the Disney lot because reasons. <coughs> And he set up shop over at Skydance, and he's got a new uh, animated picture coming out for Apple. And the word is, according to WDW Pro, that Apple is so happy with it, they may, they may go for a theatrical release on this. So you could see Apple and Skydance going head-to-head with Disney and Pixar in the theaters, and the proof will be in the pudding. It will be interesting to see how that all goes, because... John Lasseter, for a lot of people, John Lasseter is Pixar. And the fact that he's not there anymore, Pixar hasn't had a hit since his departure. So it will, uh, it will play out, and uh, I'm curious how the trades are going to handle it, how they, will, uh, how they will characterize it all. But I think Bob Iger is up to something. Uh, it, it's, it's striking to me that Iger is employing Bob Chapek's plan for cutting costs and reducing expenses and, and, and getting things back in line because, you know, the parks, the parks were priced too high and we're, you know, we're going to go for quality over quantity. All of this stuff Bob Chapek had lined out that was, that was his plan for austerity to try to get the Disney company back in, into, into profitability before he was fired. So it's a little disingenuous of both the trades and the Disney company to sit there and and try to paint this as Bob Iger saving the company from Bob Chapek because he's not doing anything that Chapek wasn't going to do. He's 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 pretty much going by Chapek's plan. So I don't know. <coughs> I you know, I don't know what Iger's planning. Yeah, he he was at the um, what was it? Um, not Merrill Lynch. Um, it was a financial. It was a, a financial thing on Thursday, and we got all of these articles on Friday after we got news about 
Kevin Feige's project and Patty Jenkins' project for Star Wars going away. And I think Taika Waititi's project is going away. We're never going to get Ryan Johnson's project. We're probably not going to get Damon Lindelof's project. And it sounds like the Acolyte could be in trouble because if Karen McCarthy's lawsuit goes through and we get Discovery, and I really, really, really hope we get Discovery on that. I want it to go to trial so badly, and I will cover it. it if if the Disney, if, if Karen McCarthy's lawsuit against Lucasfilm goes to trial, and if they broadcast it, I will cover it. I will live stream that puppy and and I'll and I'll invite people and I'll say let's let's do this. Let's ricada this thing. I will do that. I really 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 want this to go to trial. It won't. But it would be so much fun because Lucasfilm needs a comeuppance. Uh, Douglas in the chat. I haven't, uh, have I seen Douglas in the chat before? Welcome. If I haven't seen you before, welcome. Good to see you. Think Doctor Who going to get fully bought by Disney since they have streaming rights now? Uh, no. <coughs> the BBC will likely never sell Doctor Who because the BBC needs Doctor Who to, uh, to justify the BBC. I mean, they're, they're, you don't have a whole lot of programming that the BBC exports. Uh, the BBC needs that. Morgan Stanley, thank you, Dave. Uh, the BBC needs Doctor Who for the revenue it generates uh, to offset what it's not making from the BBC licenses. So uh, Douglas has been here before a few times, not a whole lot. Big fan of the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard for the old man to keep track of all the names, especially when half of you aren't even using names. I mean, really. I'm kidding. I kid. I kid because I love, right? But yeah, that I I don't see the BBC ever selling Doctor Who because it's a it's a it's a revenue generator. Now, if if they had not brought back Russell T Davies to save Doctor Who, then the BBC might have been tempted to cut its losses at some point, but uh, it's 60th anniversary is coming up. They've got the they've got the distribution deal with Disney Plus, which means they get a whole new infusion of money. They got Russell T Davies back in charge, which all the fans are just going to go, oh, yay! Assuming that he can fix the show, and that's a big assumption that a lot of people are making that Russell T Davies is going to be able to fix the show after Chris Chibnall broke it. And Chibnall may have been operating with the best of intentions. I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he was trying something. He was experimenting. He wanted to do something. He's a big fan. Let's do this. Let's try this. And pieces of what Chibnall was doing does go back to the original Cartmill plan from back during the days when Sylvester McCoy was playing the Doctor. So some of this stuff is not brand new. The execution, however... Didn't go off that well for a lot of people. So Davies has got a big job ahead of him. And we'll see how the 60th anniversary shakes out because that's where we're going to start getting an idea of where the show is going next. So, I don't know. <clears throat> uh, it'd be nice if they bring back Torchwood. <laughs> well, if 
if if Davy's talking about a shared universe as any indication, I would I would expect Torchwood and a couple of other two three different shows. Um, maybe maybe a unit show, which would be interesting if they do it right. Uh, you could do uh, kind of kind of the spy intrigue political thriller type of thing with aliens. So. Uh, Dave said, perhaps the BBC would consider licensing Doctor Who like Disney's considering for Star Wars. <coughs> Maybe. See, the thing is, I and and I'm 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 riffing on uh, on a guess here. Ooh, a Romana spinoff. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah, because we don't know what happened to her. And and why not? Why not bring back some of the other Time Lords? Some of them. <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, I don't know <coughs> how the 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 BBC. Uh, yes, the Ronnie. Yes, uh, I think the BBC would would probably because the the production deal that they now have with Bad Wolf and Davies, I. I don't know how that splits the ownership of the new material. Um, so it's possible that the licensing, well, they might have to, they might have to split all of that in terms of responsibility. Um, I, I'm guessing, I don't know how they've, how they've divided up all of the ownership and responsibility of the license and all of that. So, uh, as things develop, you know, we get more information on how this stuff works, then maybe we'll get a better idea of that. But I don't see, I don't see the BBC licensing Doctor Who to Disney. Disney Plus probably has a merchandising deal in place because if they're going to distribute the show, then they'll probably get some kind of a deal so they can sell toys at the at the resorts and the parks and 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 the Disney stores and that kind of thing. So I would expect at least some kind of merchandising deal through Disney. Um, and yes, Death Angels, you're right. Sony does own Bad Wolf, so that's another player in this game that we haven't even heard anything from them on any of this stuff. So it's. Yeah, it's it's got to be. Uh, MS says if Disney took over Doctor Who, they'd probably try to make it serious and change everything. Maybe I. Here's here's the problem. Well, here's the challenge with Doctor Who. The challenge with Doctor Who is that it is a British show, and it's got some British sensibilities that. People in the United States don't always quite understand. And it's like when Fox did the the movie with Paul McGann. It kind of is Doctor Who. It kind of feels like Doctor Who. But there's a couple of things you kind of... Mm? Okay, I, I can live with that. <coughs> now, Paul McGann is canon as the Eighth Doctor. And, you know, we have all of that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Eric Roberts come back as the Master. But um, I, don't see, I, I don't see an American production of Doctor Who uh, 
understanding Doctor Who. You you've got to have somebody who 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 uh, who grew up with it, who understands it. Uh, Douglas says Red Dwarf unaired pilot was painful. Hey, we got some news about Red Dwarf. As a matter of fact, that just broke a few hours ago. <clears throat> uh, Grant Naylor Productions putting out a statement that Rob Grant and uh, and um, uh, well Grant and Naylor. I just wrote this up. They have finally reached an agreement on the rights and the ownerships of Red Dwarf. They've settled their dispute. And moving forward, there will be two iterations of Red Dwarf. So they're not fighting for ownership anymore. They each own their own copy. So now we're moving forward, we're going to get two Red Dwarfs. Red Dwarfs. Dwarves, dwarfs, red dwarfs. We're going to get two. We're going to get Grants, and we're going to get Nailers. And I don't know how that's going to work. Because they're going to be working with the cast. Don't know how that's going to work. But they have at least settled the dispute over the rights. <coughs> They've come to some sort of accommodation. I don't know what that's going to involve. They're not going to be working together, it sounds like. And it's possible. Somebody somebody in the comments over on Facebook suggested that maybe one of them is going to be working on TV and the other one might be working on audio productions. Like uh, like with Big Finish. Like, you know, Big Finish does that with Doctor Who where you've got the TV stuff from BBC and Big Finish does a lot of audio adventures in Torchwood and Unit and all these other things. Maybe, but... I don't. Uh, I don't know how they're going to make it work. Well, we'll have to see. This is just breaking today, so we'll have to see how that uh, how that shakes out on who's going to do what and what kind of projects that we're going to get out of this. Because you know, sometimes half a loaf is not good enough, and the proof. It's just going to depend on whatever else that they're going to do. They're going to do so. I don't know. Uh, Death Angel said, "I got a work meeting in five minutes. Otherwise, join the call." Well, you can you can drop in on uh, on Discord later and share your thoughts there too. Uh, look at the British days. Of, look at the British version of Broadchurch versus the U.S. version. Painful. See, I I have been I have been resistant to the idea. I'm not a big fan of the idea of. American television remaking British material or anything else for that matter Indian Israeli Mexican any any of this stuff because some sometimes you can make it work I mean the office was a fairly successful translation from British comedy to American comedy but sometimes there there are cultural differences that get in the way of doing a satisfying version, American version. And as much as I love the United States, because it is my home, there are times when you don't need to do an American version of something. You just don't. Come up with something new. Give me something brand new that I've never seen before. But it's not going to happen very often because Hollywood is full of cowards. Hello, Matt Ween. Good to see you in the chat as well. 
and I think, I don't know if I've said hi to Sci-Fi Snob or not. MS is in here, Death Angel Shadow's in here, Dave's in here. Uh, I think I was a Cam in here earlier. So, that's uh, that's the thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, you know, Picard is the British version of an American ship. Um, okay. Maybe. I don't know. See, I've heard people compare the, the UK version of The Office to the American version, and they say that the UK version is better. I've not watched any of it. I, I'm not a big comedy guy. So I have never seen The Office or Parks and Recreation or Community or anything. I'm just like, I, I just, I'm not, I don't have, I did stop. I did say hi to you. I said, there, I, I saw you in the chat. I started with you. Anyway, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a funny guy. I, I don't believe, I, I'm, I'm not very good with comedy. I don't, I can appreciate it. But it's not my bag. So, eh. I just, you know, eh. I, 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 I think we need new stuff. Modestly budget. The new thing. Get you some, get you some actors and some people behind the camera who know their stuff. And give me a new thing. It doesn't have to be a $250 million blockbuster new thing. Give me a new thing. Give me something new. <clears throat> give me a TV show I've never seen before. Give me a concept that we haven't seen in forever. Give me a, give me a Western in space. Or something. I don't know. You know what they're speculating the next scream is going to be in space. Because every horror franchise has to have a space entry, right? Ghostface on the International Space Station? Why not? I mean, that's not any more believable than than Fast and Furious going into space, I guess. I mean, come on. It's, what's up with that? I just... Uh, Cowboys in space like Firefly? Sure. Yeah. But how many how many successful ones have we had? Firefly was technically not a success. It got canceled. But it got canceled because the Fox people didn't understand science fiction. Network people don't get science fiction. I don't care how many science fiction shows are on the networks right now and how many, how many, you know, they all talk about how they love stuff. No, they don't understand science fiction at all. The people that were running the network back in the 60s, NBC, they didn't understand Star Trek. They didn't get it. <coughs> They've never understood it. Paramount has never understood it. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing some kind of mash in in space, like on an Earth colony or something. Not necessarily as a comedy, but a a you know a mash unit in a in a, in, a, in an extraterrestrial setting of some sort. I think that would be interesting <coughs> because not only are you bringing in whatever 
war combat soldier medicine thing that you'd get with a with an army army hospital, but you also add the 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 xeno uh, xenomorphic stuff as well. The alien culture. This is this is a bacteria we've never seen before. What are we going to do with it? You know that that sort of thing. You know, add that dimension to it. I think it'd be pretty interesting. Somebody get on that. Send me a check. Uh, Douglas said, John Carpenter wanted to do Halloween 6 as a sci-fi horror set in space so he could blast Myers into the sun in the series forever. You know, why not? Aliens is a good one. Yeah, Bug Hunt. Get, get, give, us, give us some stuff. You know, quit, quit dipping into the same well over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I might write that mash in space myself. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do that in between all of the different other things that I've got going right now, right? <clears throat> I don't know. Anyway. Cam says someone should check out the Aliens RPG. I've heard some good things about that. And tomorrow, uh, speaking of uh, space RPGs, uh, we've got a yeah. Well, it's not an RPG. It's a it's a first person shooter. I think is what it is. Battlefront Two, the Star Wars uh, Battlefront Two. Mrs. Boss has got some news about Battlefront Two and the stack tomorrow during the Salacious Scrums segment. <coughs> Excuse me. I think one of these days I may have to actually go get this checked out. I don't think I'm dying. But you never know. <clears throat> Predator set in space in the future. Maybe take a hint from the current Marvel comic series. Uh, yeah. That could work. But again, if you're, if you're doing something with the Predator franchise, you're already dipping into something that we've seen how many times now? There, there are, there are only so many different ways that you can tell that story, unless you come up with a completely different way of doing it. And Prey did that. Uh, I haven't watched it, but uh, uh, Tim had good things to say about it. He was he he thought it was okay. Samurai in space. I I'm there. Let's do it. <clears throat> See, and this is the kind of stuff that independent creators can come up with a whole lot easier than Hollywood can. Because Hollywood's got the money, but they're creatively bankrupt. Creators like us out here, we can come up with all sorts of different ideas, but we don't necessarily always have the resources to make it work, to actually put the thing together. I've got stacks, stacks of story ideas and plots and... And write-ups and things. I got a whole cabinet full of that stuff. You know, character descriptions and and lines of dialogue and whole scenes and 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 ideas and different things as different scenarios and and things. You know, some of them are ideas for novels. Some of them are ideas for movies and and television shows and comic books. I've got all sorts of ideas. I don't have time to do anything with them, and I don't have any money. To make them, so I well I take let me let me take it back and and revise that because I don't have any money to make the movies. <clears throat> I could sit here in the Batcave and I could tippity 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 
a, a, a novel or a short story or some something to that effect, and I could I could send that out and I could publish like I did with a hero at the end of his rope. It's a self-published short novel. It's out there. You go to Barnes and Noble. You go to Amazon, and you can order a copy of my book. It's self-published book. And I've had thoughts about revising it and expanding it and making it into a full-blown novel. <clears throat> but again, time. Time is not my ally. Hey, you're right, MS. Hollywood is too scared to take chances. And, and that goes back to what we've talked about before, about how Hollywood learns the wrong lessons all the time. They see X happen to a particular type of movie, and they will assume that because it's that type of movie, <clears throat> X will happen every single time. And that's not necessarily always the case. Sci-Fi Snob joining us now in the chat. Welcome, sir. How are you doing? Hey, Jason. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm a week older and not, not very much wiser. I was going to say, how was the birthday? Uh, you yeah, get I, good presents? I survived it, yes. Survived. <laughs> All right. Um, I was going to add to your last uh, comment there. I mean, the Hollywood issue. I think part of it is, too, is, and, and you've mentioned this before, it's because they're making, the movies they're making are so expensive. You know, $200 million, mm -hmm. 500 or half a billion dollars with the advertising budget. They can't afford to take chances because if it fails, they fail hard. Yeah. Which is why, like you said, we should get back to making smaller movies. You can make more chances. Budget doesn't have to be that big. You know, they can have their tentpole, uh, summer blockbuster, Marvel, half a billion dollar uh, piece of crap. But uh, why not make more smaller stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Chances. I mean, you take, a two, you take a $250 million movie, uh, a $250 million budget, I can, make, I can make three films with that. Easy. Easy. So yeah, I th I think make twenty five films with that. Well, you could. Uh, I got a yo in the chat over on Odyssey. Good to see uh, we've got some people over there watching. I don't see anybody in the chat on Twitch yet. So uh, I think people are going to have to remember that we're on Twitch. Twitch is <clears throat> Twitch is dead. It's for girls uh, showing their. Uh... We talked about yeah. doing. Yeah, we actually we talked about doing a hot tub stream, and I kind of did a gag at one point with uh, with H two O, where I just put together a montage of video clips of hot tubs, and uh, played that and said, "All right, there's our hot tub stream. We're done." Uh, but H two O in the H two O, I That's, get it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, <coughs> I'm not sure that anybody would want to see me doing a hot tub stream, though. Uh, I'm I I am not. Uh, I'm not in my final form for that. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Imus got a good point. We don't have the same amount of theaters to distribute anymore either. Now, uh, we had a story, or, or I want to say earlier this week, Hollywood Reporter had this story. The theater, the theater owners, the theater chain owners are begging for product. They said, we need to have at least 100 movies this year in order to survive. Um, is that... Uh, we don't have as many theaters as we used to. Has a lot of theaters closed? I haven't known. Well, I mean, we, we've just had locally, some, I haven't... Yeah, because, you know, Re, uh, was it Regal or Cinemark? One of, I think it's Cineworld. 
Cineworld's in bankruptcy. AMC has closed uh, a number of them. Um, uh, Regal has shut down a number of, of screens. Cinemark has, has you know, uh, reduced their number as well. None of them have gone, you know, I think Cineworld's the only one that's gone bankrupt. But all of them are hurting. And, you know, you have, for every Top Gun Maverick that you've got out there, you've got a Velma. Or, or two or three or four Velmas that nobody wants to go see, yeah. and I'm, they're I'm hurting. Just looking, I'm just thinking locally. I haven't. I mean, that might be that may be an excuse me that may be an American thing. I don't think we've had any theater chains close here. I haven't seen any. You know, like you don't drive around. Since I don't drive around seeing. You know, I haven't heard of any theaters closing now they may not be you know they may be just scraping by but no. maybe you have more of them that's why they're uh we, well we have a lot and more problems or ms you know you're right in the in the 70s and 80s you had the dollar theaters you had the smaller chains we've got a couple of smaller chains around here we've got a couple of independent uh movie houses uh you, you you've got drive-in theaters that kind of made a comeback during the pandemic because it's outside we can spread out uh, but the the theater companies are sitting there saying, you know, the the Hollywood whoever needs to be making movies to put in the theaters because you've got a lot of them that are making stuff for streaming. Well, that doesn't help the movie theaters. The movie theaters have got to have movies, and <clears throat> I, the, yeah. the, for for them to sit there and say we need to have at least one hundred films screening in movie theaters in order to survive that that's i don't think movie theaters will ever go away but that's a, no, a that's won't. a frightening concept to sit there and say well maybe we're only going to have one movie theater in 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 the whole metropolitan area you know i don't think it'll get that that's, bad uh, but... <clears throat> yeah we've got you know i i live near a city of a million people and we've got, you know, a bunch of the megaplex theaters in various malls and places. Yeah. Um, now, the movie theater will never go away. Uh, I mean, if you need more movies, then, you know, I mean, Hollywood, I don't think, can afford to make a hundred half a billion dollar movies. No, they right? can't. They need to. They'll have to. They have to make. Uh, you have to make a bunch of smaller ones. I mean, yeah. it'd be smart to do that. I mean, well, and, and some of these stories, I mean, like Megan, for example, and, and Cocaine Bear. Not very big budgets, and they're already, you know, they've already made their budgets back for, for the most part. And you also have to be looking at what kind of film that you make and how it does in the box office, not just domestically, but also uh, internationally, worldwide. So some, some films are going to play better outside the U.S. than other films. And you have to take that into consideration as well. What kind of what kind of story you're going to tell? All right, bringing in MS into the conversation. Welcome, sir. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Happy birthday! No, Didn't thank make you. It last you. week, I was practicing all week on my guitar to sing "Happy Birthday" to you. <laughs> it's okay. But I might be able to get a I might be able to get a sound recording eventually on Discord. I want to just uh, yeah talk a little bit more about the movies too, because I you know I know a lot of younger guys out there might not realize this, but you know. Back in the old days, you didn't have a new movie every week. <laughs> you, you would like, put a movie out, and sometimes that would be a movie, and that movie might be the the new movie for up to two to three weeks. I remember that as a kid. Yep. 
You know, it wasn't like Hollywood needed. It feels like Hollywood needs to always be pushing. Here's the next big movie. Here's the next big movie. But back when when we were younger, anyways, it seemed like the movie uh, the the movie business thrived more off of this idea of putting out a movie and people are coming. You're getting repeat viewings. Of course, the lower budgets, moving over to the dollar dollar theater. Even like for somebody like my dad, you know, he used to tell me when he was a kid that he would uh he'd go pay like five or ten cents <laughs> on a Saturday and sit in the movie theater for a couple hours and watch Tarzan yeah. serials. You know, like well and- the movie theater is so many more things and now it's just kind of like they've pigeonholed themselves into this big budget thing. And that's it. Well, part of that is the 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 distribution model has changed because you've got streaming, yeah. you've got cable, and all of that. But if you go back even further than when we were kids, if you go back to the 30s and 40s, the studios were cranking out 25, 30, 40 movies a year, and they wouldn't be <clears throat> they wouldn't be in the theaters very long. But they were cranking them out, and you had. And this is back in the old the old studio system mm-hmm. where, you know, if I've got Humphrey Bogart on a contract with you know, you know Universal's got Humphrey Bogart on a contract, Universal's going to make eight movies with Humphrey Bogart this year, and Humphrey Bogart makes those eight movies whether he yeah. wants to or not, and you know, and and we can sit there and we can crank out the new Humphrey Bogart movie, and you know, the system was completely different back then, even where you had so many films that were getting made and again they were on the cheap they were they weren't super yeah. big expensive you know blockbusters like we've got now but you know part of that is the technology part of that is the is the expectation of the audience you know the growth of spectacle and the need for spectacle because now now it's a question of scale in terms of what you can do on the big screen that's so impressive and so grand and so massive and huge that plays better on the 60-foot screen than it does on your 55-inch TV. There, there's something yeah, about I, the visuals, you know, it doesn't always translate to your TV that well. And that's what, that's what Hollywood's been fixated on is the spectacle. We're not, we're not worried about story. We want to blow you away with the explosions and the and the... And the and the pew pews and the planes and all of that. Yeah, I think you can't. I mean, we can't really compare. I mean, like the '30s, for example. You've got what's her name, Shirley Temple. What's the yeah. dancing girl, Shirley, little girl? Yeah, Shirley I mean, Temple. They're they're putting out a movie with her, a musical, every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's stories about you know feeding her cocaine so that she can keep up with the dancing to keep on the schedule. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, people are going to the movies every weekend and they're seeing a new film every weekend. Now they're, you know, they're kind of the same. They're, they're all musicals. There's like some dancing, there's some romance, there's something for everybody, but you know, you're going to the theater because, you know, number one, there's no television. That's the only visual medium you're going to see, yeah. you know, yeah. you're, you know, it's it's the middle of the summer. It's hot. Nobody has air conditioning except the theaters have air conditioning, right? Yeah. So you're going to, you know, yeah. you're going to these theaters. That's why part of the reason you're getting your movie tone news beforehand. You're finding out what's going on in the world and, and seeing, you know, about the war or whatever happens to be going on. Um, you got your cartoon for the kids at the beginning. Like, it's yeah. a completely different 
time. Well, and, oh, that's yeah. the There's flesh. no going back. Totally we different experience back that. then. Not only that, yeah. not only that, but in in those days when we were younger, you had the season, you had the television season that ran September through May. Add your your first run, brand new episodes, brand new season of, of Family Matters or Star Trek or, 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 or whatever would run. They'd have the season premiere in September and you'd mm-hmm. have sweeps months and you'd have the, the ratings push and all of that. And then in May, you'd have your season finale and then you'd have to wait all summer. I mean, I, I, I still remember how the how, how visceral my reaction was at the end of Best of Both Worlds. When Riker said, Mr. Worf, fire, and then it cuts to black and to be continued. I was like, wait, no, you can't stop right there. Because <laughs> now i got to wait three wait. months to see what happens. And, and well, te- television doesn't work questions. that way anymore. Because when you now when you go to the summer break, you know, summer hiatus for television, there's less competition for the movies. And then you had all of these summer blockbuster hits, right? Because there's nothing in television except reruns. Yeah. My question, though, is, and I want to bring up maybe the movie 65 since it came out this weekend, too. But Is it out? Um, it, come out it came out today. Yeah, today's oh, okay. opening day. Right. It has a 33% from critics and a 58% from audiences. So, you know, a lot of, them, a lot of the same complaints for that movie. For I'll get to that in a second, though. But my question would be, you know, what can theaters do? Like, I have a movie theater, uh, a town an hour away from me. Actually, a half hour and an hour. So the one that was a half hour away from me, mm-hmm. you know, he was just he was getting Blu-rays of old westerns and showing them, you know, through COVID and people were coming. There's one, there's a small, a small theater where they do like a summer kids friendly thing where they show old kids, not old, old kids movies, but you know, like up or you know, Monster House, maybe. And it's in the theater that we get. It's a lot cheaper to do to tr- attract people in. It's a cheap theater as well. Like you don't have to pay a lot to get into it. So they, so those theaters are doing things where they think, well, the audience, like the audience in the town across from me, 30 minutes away is all veterans. There are a lot of old guys that like Westerns. So he's putting the Westerns up there and he seems to be packing the theater out by doing that. Like people are coming to watch those things. Yep. You know, so when he doesn't have a big movie, he's doing things that allows people that are he's doing things that he knows are going to draw his community into the theater and keep it running and going. Well, independent theaters can do that with a little bit more flexibility than chains. Uh, We've got one here, uh, the the Screenland Armor Theater, uh, which is a local its own, you know, it's independently owned and they can do that same kind of thing. Hey, we're going to screen 2001 a space odyssey. We're going to screen, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Now, some of those are part of, uh, the, um, uh, Oh shoot. Uh, who's, who, who are the guys that do the, the events? Uh, Fathom, Fathom events. Fathom, they do those yeah, Fathom events. They'll do those, but they'll also, you know, Screenline will also do, uh, classic movie weekend and we'll show Ghostbusters and we'll show Alien mm-hmm. and we'll show The yeah, Exorcist yeah. and we'll show you know Wizard of Oz and all of that. And yeah, the independent theaters can do that kind of thing. It's kind of like when the, lo- when the local comic book shop started carrying Funko Pops. We have to diversify our product. We have to diversify and spread out the different kinds of things that we offer for sale. You know, some of them even will screen... 
uh, you know, they'll participate in local film festivals, for example, and they'll screen local productions. You know, if you've got a film community in town, uh, well, yeah, do in that. Kansas City, then you could be part of a film festival. Uh, you can host events. You can host private screenings. You can do parties and corporate things. And all of these different things that you can do in order to bring in revenue. And during the during the pandemic, they they used the back of their building as their screen and their parking lot became a drive-in theater. Yeah, they you you improvise, but the independent theaters have a lot more flexibility to do that than the chains do because the chains have so many different legal obligations in terms of distributing the new stuff they they can't as easily I guess I mean I Again, it's a guess. I would say they probably can't as easily screen stuff that's on Blu-ray or DVDs the way independent theaters could. They might, but who knows how much money they'd make off of it. Yeah, our uh, our local independent theater did all that, but uh, I'll give you an example of some of the good thinking, the the out-of-the-box thinking they had a saturday morning kids friendly type they would do cartoons or a kid-friendly show and it would be you know pay x money show up in your pajamas and uh you can eat free cereal they would give you cereal like <laughs> fruit loops and that kind of stuff so you come in you pay money you eat cereal and watch uh the kids sit in the theaters and watch uh you know whatever cartoons or some yeah. sort of kid-friendly I, movie i could go for in the morning fruit loops <laughs> well, I remember when I was a kid, there was a theater by my by my house. This was in Florida. I never went to it, but because I was too young. But they would. I heard that the theater had recliners. They served beer. Yep. And they served like meat pies or some. While the people were, they did some. You know, they tried to make it like you were sitting in your home, but give you the movie theater experience at yep. the same time. There are a number of theater chains now. Uh, AMC is doing some of that. I mean, they've they've had those for a while where you've got the the big puffy, you know, recliner chairs. And the irritating part of that for me is that when I if I shift in my chair, usually what I'll do is I'll put my hands on the armrests in order to kind of brace myself if I got to readjust cuz my back is is in misaligned. And Nine times out of ten, I hit some sort of a button that starts the recliner. I was like, no, I don't want to recline. Don't it, Stop. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. You know, you don't have this thing. But, yeah, you've got the menu. You've got the table there. You can do the meal. You can do the chicken fingers or the wings, you know, the hot wings or the nachos or whatever. And that's where the theater companies make most of their money is in the concessions. So they've had to adapt and adjust on that side of things. Because their distribution yeah. deals with the theaters are so skewed, you know, they only get a certain amount. We talked about this a while back. They only get a certain percentage of the gate, which means the ticket sales, the box office numbers, the studio gets their piece, the theater gets their piece. And it's not necessarily a good piece, which is why they rely so heavily yeah. on the concessions. So why not even do that now? Because, you know, I went to Burger King the other day. And I think it was like I, when I was in high school, for ninety nine cent we could get a Whopper. <laughs> for another ninety nine cents, I could get a gallon of gas and still have change left over, right? Yeah. I went to Burger King the other day, 
and I spent 12 bucks, I think it was, on, on a Whopper meal. And I looked at my friend, I was like, why don't we just drive over to Applebee's or Outback and just order a burger to go? It'll be the same price and better quality. So at this point, you know, the, the, um, if you can provide quality food, I don't see why the theater can't compete any, you know, I was, I was kind of saying this, my friend, I was like, you know, these businesses put mom and pops out of, out of businesses. But now if you're a mom and pop shop and you're selling your burger for 12 bucks and Burger King selling for 12 bucks, you can compete now. You used to not be able to compete. So the theater might be able to start competing in these arenas again because the prices in real life are so ridiculous. Why spend $12 at Burger King if, well, if the theater is going to sell me a burger for 12 bucks? That's yeah, just as good. The challenge on that, and, and Keely, good to see you. I know you got to head out. It's, it's good to have you here. Um, the, the problem with that, well, I say problem. The challenge with that is how do you market that because if you're if you're going to compete against the restaurants and the fast food places then you're no longer competing as a movie theater and all of your marketing and all of the messaging now suddenly you've got two identities out there i've i've had this with clients that decide well we want to do this well that's not what your business is yeah but we want to get this audience but that's not who you that's that's not who your market is that's not what your product is for you know you have you have clients that decide they want to have multiple types of messages out there to reach different audiences and at some point they have basically a crisis of identity you're putting out all of these different messages and you're telling all these different people that you're so many different things nobody's going to know what you are so you have to find what your what your niche is, what your what your primary identity is, and for these movie theaters, it's where the where the movie theater, and it's a it's a place for an experience for the family and all of that. The thing is, they've got to figure out some way to continue to make it affordable. That's the biggest thing right now. The biggest obstacle to going out to the theater. Besides the fact that there aren't enough movies to watch, and and some of them aren't very good, is you have this discretionary income cramp, where people are sitting there going, "I'm not going to spend fifty to eighty to a hundred dollars to go out to a movie with my family when I can't buy eggs for a dollar." You know, it's it's that that whole you know the economy of scale. My economy is scaled down. My my discretionary income, the dollars that I have to spend, are no longer available for the frivolous stuff. And when when you get into a budget crunch, entertainment is one of the first things to go. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing such a problem with the streaming services, because you're not going to have people continue to pay for their subscriptions when unemployment is up, inflation is up at what forty forty year record high, you know money doesn't go as far. So now I have to okay, I have to decide where am I going to spend the money that I have? Entertainment's the first thing to go. Uh, Mazur says uh, the Granada Theater in Greenville in Dallas, fancy tables, full service in front of a movie theater screen's been open for years. The exception, I I remember the Granada Theater. I, I do. I remember. But see, the other and, and, and the other part of that, too, is, you know, he mentioned the dollar theater earlier. Nobody does the second run theaters anymore. Yeah, because well, they, that's because they're on streaming. That, uh, that's right. They just go to streaming. 
45 days and and they go. Now I read I read somewhere was it this week? Last week. Um apparently according to the to to what I read, um uh Tom Cruise apparently took legal action against Paramount to prevent them from doing the 45-day window, then direct-to-streaming plan for the next Mission Impossible movie. So he's basically said, you're not pulling this from screens before it's ready to get pulled from screens. We'll go past 45 days. If people are still going to see this movie in the theaters, it'll stay as long as people are going. Yeah, and and he's basically fought this 45-day window crap that a lot of these studios do. Well, it'll be in theaters for 45 days, and then it goes to streaming. You're well, let me ask a question. That's money for him, though, right? Well, sure, but it's money for he the studio too. Money. I mean, if, if, exactly. you know, if you if you look at look at Top Gun Maverick, you know that thing was billion plus, and it just stayed in theaters and just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going because it's an entertaining film that doesn't preach or lecture to us. That doesn't give us a lot of virtue signaling characters that are there just to check off boxes. We just tell us a story that entertains us. It's fun. And it's good word of mouth and it had legs. And it did that billion plus without playing in China. But Jason, you know, how am I going to know how to live my life and be a moral person without Hollywood to tell me? <laughs> well, you listen to me. I'm lost. He's <laughs> lost in Hollywood. Uh, by the but way, by question, the way Jason. 65 is now sitting at 29% critics rating, 57% oh, it's audience. It's gone down. That's pretty bad. That is yeah. pretty bad. Let me ask this question. So is so going back to like what, what Tom Cruise was saying is that if would the movie would the would the studio make more money if the if the movie stayed in the theater and went to a dollars a dollar theater or a cheaper theater versus Push pushing it right out to their because most of these guys are pushing it right to their own streaming service. Like I don't know HBO Max. So if a movie goes to HBO Max, I'm not gonna watch it. Yeah, I'm not gonna get HBO Max just to watch one movie. That's ridiculous. So I'd be more inclined to go to the dollar theater and and take my family and watch the movie there. Yeah, but you're gonna go get HBO Max because every movie that they release comes out on there, right? And it's and people have a tendency once they subscribe to something, you know, you make it hard, you forget, you end up keeping. How many people have Netflix and they haven't used it for months? Right, right. Or months go by before they watch something. I mean, you just tend to keep with it. You get stuck on it, right? That's why subscriptions. Same with you know, same with we used to subscribe to magazines or something, right? Well, so and, that's why they want it. They want to hook you. Yeah, but you also look at what David Zaslav is doing with changing that model. Where, you know, Warner Brothers is going to make something, whether it's Warner Television or Warner Brothers Pictures or Warner Animation or whatnot. And originally, yes, the model was we're going to make it. We're going to put it on HBO, HBO Max. We're going to put it on CW. We're going to put it on our own, our own stuff. And Zaslav has basically said that model doesn't work. That model's not yeah. not uh, financially sustainable. And what we're going to do now is we're going to decide which of these projects work better in-house on our own channels and which ones we're going to farm out because it goes back to the licensing thing. If I can make money with Harley Quinn being on Apple TV Plus instead of HBO Max, then I'm going to sell it to Apple TV Plus. If I can make yeah, money I... with, with a, a show or a movie 
on somebody else's channel, I'm going to sell it to them, and, and I'm going to I'm going to charge a premium, and then everybody that subscribes to that that platform, that platform gives me money when they watch that movie. Yeah, I'm I'm just you know I'm just sort of suggesting what the what their thoughts are with sure. their theory is right now. I'm not saying it works. I mean yeah. I I mean I think that they're you know we we're kind of coming near the end of the battle of the streaming services. I think I think so. so. I think everybody was like, hey, you know, streaming service is a hot thing. Let's try to get our thing. Let's take down Netflix. You know, and they're go let go all in. And if we go all in, maybe we can you know kill off everybody else, and we'll be the only streaming service. They found out that. No, that doesn't work. Um, there's too many, or you know, it, it didn't work out well, the way they do. So now they're changing their model. And you even have Netflix and, and Apple. Uh, what I'm hearing, you have Netflix going in and and considering a theatrical release for some of their projects. And uh, what I heard from WDW Pro this morning over on Midnight's Edge, this new animated feature from John uh, from Lassiter, for example, you know, it's being made for Apple TV. But Apple TV has looked at it and said, you know what, this is good enough to go into the theaters. So you could have the streaming services start to do theatrical runs with some of their stuff. And app, I think it's Apple. I, I want to say it's Apple. It could be Netflix. One of them is building a studio uh, on, the, on the grounds of an old army, uh, uh, army base, I believe, in New Jersey. They're building a production studio to make their own stuff. And I, I think that the streaming wars uh, are pretty much a thing of the past because streaming doesn't make anybody money. And I think they've started yeah, to realize that and they say, okay, well, we've got to do theatrical stuff too. Yeah. They, I, I, I would agree with you. I think everybody went in all stream, all streaming. It's the thing of the future. Everybody's going to want streaming. And they found out, no, people want to go to the movie. Sometimes they want to take their wife, girlfriend, family out for an outing at times. Yep. Um, you know, seeing it at home is not the same. Um, you have, you know, Netflix throwing money at anyone who will make anything because they want content. And most of that content, you know, they, they're just throwing money away. They're, they're wasting it. And the most of the content is crap. So they're like, oh, we have all this content, but it's mostly garbage. So people are like, oh, this isn't working out. We want quality, not quantity. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, they've right, they so, kind of screwed themselves. So, Mr. Snob, somebody has made a comment here. Cam, Cam says, no one in the U.S. goes on ootings. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's a dig at your accent. My accent. A boot is a boot. <laughs> a boot, yes. Don't talk about my accent. <laughs> Come on. That's, there's no such thing. There's no Did such I thing. Did I really say uh, ootings? Outings. outings. Ootings? Did I say ootings? You know, that's kind of funny because... Did I really I, say ootings? No. I thought I, I said I outings. Think I think it's... I think he's just giving you giving you business. When he's I was when I me. was going... Uh, when I was in... Don't, don't pick on college. me, guys. Come on. I really hate that. <laughs> when I was in... Well, see, you're from the future. You should have seen it coming. Um, <laughs> I, I, when, I, I, when I was in college, I went to, I went to uh, college in Oklahoma City for a couple of years. And I'm from Dallas. I grew up in... I grew up in Texas. And when some of the people in in college learned that I was from Dallas, they looked at me and said, you don't sound like you're from Texas. Cause they're expecting the, the y'all and the twang and, and, the and all that, right. Cause the, the draw. Like, well, I've never, I've never had that. And I, I'm assuming that it's probably because I watch so much television that you got that generic Midwest 
accent that everybody uses on TV, especially the newscasters. I've never sounded like I was from Texas. Now, my parents, you can absolutely tell that they're from the South. <coughs> they're both from Arkansas. And they sound like they're from Arkansas. And my sister sounds like she's from Texas, but I don't. And, and it's funny how axes, uh, accents work and dialects work because sometimes sometimes they're really pronounced and sometimes they're not, and it just depends. Uh, but no, I did not hear ootings uh, from you. It's just not. <laughs> I'll work on that. I'll try to. I like to blend in, so maybe I will push my Canadian accent a bit more. Sure. <laughs> Keep them on there. Uh, they won't suspect them from it the future. It. And Jason, you know, the future doesn't work that way. I don't predict things from minute to minute. It's mm -hmm. broad brush stuff, uh -huh. right? Yep. You know, not, uh, <laughs> you know, you could ask me about, you know, ask me about, you know, how does, God how does, or something like how that. Does I could tell you about how, that, about that. how does World War III turn out? Because um, you know that's coming here in about six months. So, yeah, well, the thing is, is that uh, certain records have been lost, right? Ah. So, um, <laughs> right. you know, right. I, I, <laughs> I kind of came, and the, and you know, I'm not exactly in the right place where I was supposed to be. So uh, I got you, I got you. you. Know, I'm a little the, bit out of uh, the tragic. And then you got timelines. Sci-Fi you know, Slobs is the twelve monkeys of time travel. He, he's yeah. forgetting the, things got, when he moves around. You got the multiverse. You never know which you know which of the infinite multiverses you're in sometimes you got to figure that out yeah you know, so you're not even supposed up. to be here well definitely not in this time i mean oh, i'm okay. supposed to be a little bit earlier but oh. uh, i was a little bit late you know these things when you when you fire over millions of years right they don't you kind of lose some accuracy some no. accuracy sometimes it happens doesn't it it happens <laughs> so let me uh let me turn the conversation towards 65 again okay and some thoughts with that so have you seen specifically it? about the movie because i haven't seen it but more about just to the general topic of hollywood and their models and things like that so maybe jason you remember there used there was a movie i owned this movie and i still can't think of the name it had mark landau in it and it had jack palance in it and it was like a science fiction movie like in back in the 80s and I think it was um, some some movie historians would say it was like the uh, uh, like the inspiration for like Predator or something like that. Okay. And even in the eighties, because I don't want to I don't want to make a misconception here, but even in the eighties, if you had a hit if you had a hit show or hit movie, you get lots of them, just like you do on the <laughs> streaming channels. Is it called Without Warning? Yes, without warning, right? Without, yeah, without warning. That's it. Yeah. And then those movies would go to your grindhouse or they would go, you know, they would play in these other theaters and you would get a lot. So you would get a lot of these movies that are kind of like B movies in the 80s, but then people remember fondly. Maybe some people would remember things like The Stuff or uh, you know, movies like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. So when I look at the movie 65, okay, now this movie's getting panned right now, right? Yeah. And they got this big name actor in it, right? And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, back in the 80s, this is the kind of movie someone would have produced for a couple million dollars, put it in the theater. It probably would have made 12 million bucks over, over its budget. And you would have had a 20, 30 offshoots of this movie coming out, all these little the copycat. little chains. Yeah. And, and you would just be driving the theater like that. 
Now they take a movie like 65, they it, it, and maybe we can even talk about because someone asked this question too about D and D. You know, it has a hundred fifty million dollar budget. That's not counting its um, the 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 money they're going to spend for advertising. Is that movie already dead in the water already? You know, it, it the basically yeah. the point is, is sixty five should be a cheap movie, like a horror, well, like the horror movies that are coming out now. In in a sense, except, where you make these movies cheap. Except, except 65 got all these CG dinosaurs. Yeah, that's expensive. Claymation, baby. Bringing those dinosaurs back to life. Okay, I'm all on board with Claymation. And and you know what was interesting? In in the first episode of season three of Mandalorian, they did a little stop motion with IG-11 crawling across the floor. Uh, Yes, I noticed that. I'm like, hey, they did that old school. It was, it actually, I'm like, okay, I, I, I can dig it. But in today's creative space, you have Phil Tippett to do stop motion stuff. And that's it. There is no next. You know, Phil Tippett was the generation after Ray Harryhausen. You know, you had Ray Harryhausen and Ray Harryhausen even learned from from other. You had... You had the Ellen Shaws doing matte paintings, and you had Harryhausen doing stop motion, and then you had Phil Tippett, and you had a, a bunch of other guys. Phil Tippett's all that's left for stop motion. There is nobody coming after that. So when you sit there, I mean, it's completely lost art, practically, because originally, because Jurassic World, or Jurassic Park, rather, Jurassic Park was originally going to do stop motion dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Until, until this whole CG thing. What was the looked. budget for Jurassic Park? I don't know. I, it was, I'd have it was to a blockbuster. It was, it was you know, hundreds of millions. The in the 150, 200 million. That was the the nineties, early nineties. Yeah, but Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park killed Phil Tippett's career because after that. I mean, and Phil Tippett even says you know, there was a there was a thing uh, a special on industrial light and magic and and how it came to be and all of this. And Tippett even said at that point, I knew my career was over because everybody was going to do CG. You know, nobody was going to do stop motion anymore. And they brought they brought Tippett in. They kept him on as a as a creative consultant uh, to talk about you know designing the movement of the of the characters and the creatures. Because the design of all of that would be kind of the same, because you're you're figuring out okay, well, where does this claw go? Where does this hand go? Where does the tail do? How does it move? So you're doing the same same kind of principles, but you're not dealing with an actual physical model and shooting frame by frame by frame. So Phil Tippett's career was done at that point. He had he had nowhere to go, and all he's got is Mad God. And you know, working on is that, that his new one that, that is that just come out recently? Yeah, that was in uh, that yeah. was in, uh, Dave says Jurassic Park budget was sixty five million. Thank you, but yeah, Mad God was this project this this personal project he's been working on for the last thirty years. Finally released it. It's in the film festivals. Yeah. Everybody loves it. Everybody says it's brilliant, but it's not a renaissance for stop motion. It's it's a swan song for Phil Tippett. It's his it's his last hurrah before he's completely gone and dead. It's not going to bring back stop motion animation. 
Yeah, I know it's not coming back. I know that. It but should, but there should Jurassic be. Park got made for $65 million. Yeah. Realistically well, look at dinosaurs just, and they that's, can't do. That's that 30 years ago. Movie. That's 30 years ago. That's 30 years ago. So, so what would that be budget, now? Today's budget would probably be $150, $200 million. 150 Yeah, yeah I something think like so. that. <laughs> I don't it know. Was basically, even it was sci-fi the... was making computer animation. They couldn't have been spending that much money back in the early 2000s. It depends on I mean, how Jurassic they were doing. Park was a blockbuster tentpole, right? Yeah, on the and, I mean, and on the Jurassic, line with... Jurassic Park was the breakthrough technology. So you know everything after that. Now you're paying for that breakthrough technology. So the but well, to me be... again, it just seems that it seems like a movie like sixty five. Should you need to be making that the same way you're making your horror movies? Where you're making them where these low, maybe you don't hire an Adam Driver then. Maybe you just make the movie itself, you know, the the effects. One thing I like about the movie when I looked it up was hour and a half. So many movies today have to be like two and a half hours. Well, uh, imagine this movie made like a classic 70s uh, Godzilla movie with that bit of campy, uh, right? you know, effects that weren't quite so great. Or or Land of the Lost. purposefully do it that way. Yeah. But we talked about this at the beginning of the show, right? Hollywood can't do that. All they can think of is 200 million blockbuster, all the bells and whistles, right? right? That's all they can think. And that's what that movie is made of. And obviously, I mean, you know, I'm used to seeing Rotten Tomatoes where the critics love it and the the audience hates it or vice versa. But like a 57, 58 from the now, audience even, that now, must mean it's not that great. Not necessarily because if since it, it, it's just come out, those are early, and some of those could be review That's bomb. True. Whatever you know, Kylo Ren people coming in saying. Something. I read, I read a lot of them. They were, they were saying some a lot of the same things that the other the critics were saying that yeah. it's slow. There's not as many dinosaurs as you think. They, they they say something that I said a while back was the ending's not great because I said that when I first saw the trailer. I mm-hmm. mean, it feels like the movie's giving you the ending a little bit in the trailer. Yeah. So you know you're not going to see this mind-blowing mystery movie. You just want to go see a guy shooting aliens. So you might as well just make as many, uh, excuse me, dinosaurs. You might as well just make as many dinosaurs getting blown up as possible in as many weird ways as possible, which is what the old horse uh, people used to do. Like, hey, we got to, in the 80s, we got to, we made all these um, slasher movies. But what it really boiled down to was how many ways can we kill people? So how many ways can we kill these dinosaurs? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that just make it fun and interesting. Yeah. Dave says well, sixty five million it. in nineteen ninety is one hundred forty eight million today. So yeah. yeah, we we had it about right one hundred fifty million. I mean, and didn't they give away? They've they've put the dinosaurs in the movie. Maybe they should have played up the uh, mystery aspect of it, right? Like maybe. Okay, so they what are they going back in time or something or landing on an alternate Earth where it's sixty five millions in the future in the in the past? I mean, they should just call it sixty five, and it's Adam Driver and put a bunch of really suspenseful type situations in the uh, trailers, and people go, "What the hell is this movie about? Let's go see it." Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, Sometimes that can backfire on you, though, because if I don't know what it's about, I'm not invested. But, and, but Jason, you, you can't. I know, but everybody you loves him, and you can give away too much <laughs> in a trailer. That's absolutely true. So you have no, to I'm find just, that balance. They've gone but, the opposite way, yeah. and so I'm, you know, I'm a science fiction fan. I'm like, okay, it's 
Adam Driver shooting dinosaurs in the past. So I'm like, okay, well, why do I got to see it? I just know the whole movie right there. Like, right. why am I interested? But it's yeah, you have to have a hook. I don't so the think hook the movie in the '80s was the different ways they killed people in slasher movies. Right. So I don't think make the, the hook. I don't think the hook in this is the dinosaurs. I think this is uh, this this is a survival movie. This is I'm stra- I'm I'm stranded on a desert island movie. It's it, it, the reveal that we're 65 million years in the past. I don't think is as important as the as whatever the character has to deal with during the during the time of the movie. I could be wrong, but you know if if you're doing the trailer and you have the crash and you have the survivor, the first bit is. If if you're going to reveal the dinosaurs in in your trailers, you do a split second glimpse at the end, and people go, "Wait a minute, what was that? Oh, what did dinosaurs. I just see?" Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't even seen a trailer about this movie, but uh, you know, I've heard just heard a little online and talk about it, and you know, it's a, you say it's a survival movie, but my impression was that it's a sci-fi shoot dinosaurs movie. Yeah, well, that's, that's how they, they seem to emphasize that aspect of it yeah. versus the survival aspect of it. Well, I mean, he survives by shooting the dinosaurs so they don't kill him. Yeah, and he's protecting a, he's protecting the only other survivor of the crash, which is a little girl. They should have made the dinosaurs like be like smart, where they can talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they can talk sixty five million years ago. They, they can make something. The, uh... The yeah. Rick and Morty dinosaurs from from the latest season. There we go. Hey, I'm still interested in seeing it, you know, but it I, just yeah. looks like this movie's going to flop. And there's just going to be another flop. It's something I'm interested in seeing. It's not going to get made again for another five, seven, ten years because, well, we did it once and it failed. Well, you did it once, but you didn't do it right. right. That's why it's always failing. Right. So I have a I have a three three uh, thing rating for uh, for movies. One is. Number one is see it in theaters. Number two, rent it. And number three, wait till it comes out on DVD and go to the library and uh, borrow it for free. <clears throat> so uh, this seems to be in that third category. Yeah. You know, just from the... Doesn't seem to be that interesting, but... Yeah, maybe. All right, well, we'll see how it plays out and and uh, and see where the where the the ratings finally go. I mean, we know that Rotten yeah. Tomatoes is compromised anyway, but we'll yeah, see. We'll see what guys. happens. All right, gentlemen. Well, I got to head out to do uh, do prep for tomorrow because we are going to have Good Morning Multiverse tomorrow morning, eleven a.m. ten central. And I'm pulling double duty this weekend because I got to do the regular news and the horror news because Mr. Harvey's going to be out. So uh, join us for that. And you can find us on all the different social medias, all these different channels there, the video channels, the subscribe star, the discord, and all that good stuff. Uh, so join us uh, over there for further conversation. And uh, MS, thanks very much for jumping in and and contributing to the panel discussion. It's always good to have, Thanks uh, for having us. have you guys no in the conversation. All right. That's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks very much for being here. And uh, we will be back to do it all again next week. Now, remember, I think we're going to take Monday through Thursday off this show back for open line Friday next week. But, but look at our, so, at socials. 
we'll post to confirm uh, what the schedule is going to be. So that's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 